Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm Katie. You're listening to Nostalgia. Yes, you are. The podcast that you became obsessed with when you were seven, it was your life, it's all you wanted to speak about, and then by the time you were seven and a half, you forgot it existed. Yeah, that's a real bummer. Did you have any weird obsessions as a kid? So many. The Titanic. Oh, yeah. I went through a really intense Titanic phase, and it's surprising that I didn't have more contact with my elementary school school counselor. <laughs> they weren't like, Katie's like a little too into the Titanic. Now, this ha- had to have been around the time the movie was out. The movie came out in 1997. Yeah, So yeah. that tracks. So that's how it came back in the... I think there was Maybe. a bit of Titanic fever in yeah. the whole world. But you weren't interested in the movie so No, much. I was really interested in the disaster aspect. I went through a Johnstown flood phase, too. <laughs> the Titanic is so many orders of magic. Magnitude more interesting than the Johnstown flood. R.I.P. to all of those who perished in both of these. But Mm -hmm. if you're just ranking disasters in terms of interest, did you go to Johnstown and visit? No, I just thought about it a lot. I've been to the Johnstown Flood Museum. I'll have you know when I was a kid. Was it fun? Uh, No, it was extremely scary because that may have given me one of my many childhood irrational fears. A flood that rises so high up, you're like, you wake up and your house is full of water. Uh, Speaking of upsetting things, have you ever seen The Land Before Time? Yeah, we definitely watched this as a kid in my grandma's infinite VHS tape living room. What do you remember? A bunch of little dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's sad. Mm -hmm. And my mom didn't like it because there was a lot of screaming. And not, was it that she didn't want you to hear and imitate the screaming or she just literally didn't want to hear a movie that was just screaming because it was annoying to listen to? I think a little bit of both. I think she heard a lot of screaming when my sister and I were growing up anyway. I think she heard a decent amount of screaming, like maybe not more screams per capita than average, but Mm -hmm. a chunk. And also just like did not need us imitating a bunch of screaming dinosaurs. Well, Kate, The Land Before Time came out in theaters November 18th, 1988. It was directed by a man named Don Bluth. Do you know anything about Don Bluth? Does that name mean anything to you? He strikes me as somebody who would have a really big forehead. <laughs> we'll have Let's to look Google him up. It. Uh, it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Okay. That's important, right? They're pretty big names. There are other executive producers, but they're the two that I want to mention here. The screenplay, it was written... Oh, yeah, big forehead. <laughs> Don Bluth. Take a look. <laughs> the screen... <laughs> yeah. The screenplay... Big old forehead. ...was written by Stu Krieger uh, with a story credit to Judy Friedberg. Friedberg? I think it's Freud. And Tony Geis. And here's Don Bluth's story. It's a big forehead story. <laughs> You're so mean. I am mean. I love being mean. When he was either 17 or 18, he was hired as an assistant at Disney. They were making Sleeping Beauty at this time. He loved animation as a kid, so this was his dream job. But when he got there, he's like, oh, being an assistant is not fun. Like, this isn't this isn't what I want it to do. Okay. So he leaves, and a few years later, he is a TV animator. So he now has some actual animation experience, and Disney hires him back, no longer as an assistant, but as a full-fledged animator. He works at Disney as an animator from 1971 until 1979. His first movie he worked on was Robin Hood, and his last movie he worked on for them was The Fox and the Hound. And through that time, he moved up the ranks. Like, by the end, he was an animation director, not just doing the grunt work anymore. Climbing the ladder in the animation world. But he quits while they're making Fox and the Hound, and he claimed it was creative differences. Uh, He just didn't like the direction the studio was going. This is a tough period for Disney anyway. We'll talk about that in some future series of episodes about those movies, but he strikes it out on his own. Prior to the 1980s, there really wasn't any viable competitor to Disney in the realm of theatrical animated movies. Nobody was putting out, really no one was doing it, and if they were, they were not as successful or well-known as Disney. Disney invented the theatrical animated movie, at least in America, and they dominate it forever. So Don Bluth decides, hey, I'm Disney trained. I'm going to go start my own animation studio and put out movies that will compete directly 
with Disney movies. So uh, That seems like maybe Disney wouldn't like that. Probably not. The first movie he puts out on his own is in 1982. Tell me if you've seen this, The Secret of Nim. I think I did see that once. It was very scary. Remember what it's about? It's about uh, the mice that they're getting experimented on in the National Institutes of Mental Health. This is a theme, I think, with the Don Bluth movies. They're a little weirder, scarier. They're like Mm -hmm. what... He probably wanted to do at Disney, and they're like, ah, Got come it. on, Don. They're a little bit edgier. Right. And Disney's like, this is not going to sell. Right. Give us princesses. Kind of. Okay. So Steven Spielberg sees The Secret of Nim, and in around that same time, or the early 80s, he's starting his own his own production company, Amblin Entertainment. So he contacts Don Bluth. He goes, hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. I'm, you know, everyone knows him at this point. He's getting pretty famous okay. in the 80s. And he goes, I want to make animation. So they team up, and together they make An American Tale. Seen that? Classic. You've seen all the Don Bluth movies. Yeah. Who knew? I loved a big forehead before I married you. (laughs) Dang. Uh, So they make An American Tale in 1986, and then in 1988, they're making The Land Before Time. It's their second movie they're making together. Here is the premise. The pitch for this movie was, it's Bambi, but with dinosaurs. Okay. Which, right away, sad, scary, you know. Yeah. Dead mom, whatever. The movie went through a lot of revisions during production. Originally, it was going to be, like, silent, like, no, it would be screaming, but, like, dinosaur roars. No no characters wouldn't speak English. Hmm. Which would be interesting. Sure. Large chunks of uh, Bambi are like that, aren't they? Yeah, but I feel like maybe wouldn't hold kids' attention, (laughs) particularly in the 80s, where they've got, like, (laughs) G.I. Joe's shooting lasers at everyone. I think that's why they decided against it. And then when the movie was done, so they add that they do change the script and add dialogue when the movie's done spielberg and lucas sit down to watch it don blue's like all right guys here it is and 20 minutes of the movie were too terrifying and scary so they cut it out they the movie's weirdly short it's like 70 minutes long Uh but it was 90 minutes but they were like don this is crazy this is so scary kids our generation do remember this as being pretty intense yeah and that's missing 20 minutes the most intense 20 minutes and as a side note it's very unusual to fully animate scenes and then cut them because it's too time consuming and God. expensive yeah like, like in a live this act- should have yeah. been just cut in the prelim stages where it was like don these storyboards are terrifying <laughs> yes. why would you even make this that's why it is kind of weird it's yeah. almost like they weren't involved as much as uh-huh. maybe they should have been if they they would have caught this sooner but yeah you storyboard you make animatics you do all this you know in live action it's fine you film an extra scene while you have the camera set up and then cut it later it doesn't make any sense in animation. This movie stands alone as a supposedly this very uh, great classic film. I don't know if I've seen it or if I have. It's been too long. But it's worth noting that it has a huge franchise. There have been 13 sequels Holy since smokes. 1994 to 2016 was the most recent. Do they scream in all of them? Yes. Well, they sing in most of them. Oh, they yeah. turned them into like Disney-esque musicals. This one is <laughs> not a musical. It's so weird. Yeah, so it's just part of the like 90s and early 2000s direct-to-VHS and DVD animation graveyard, which Disney started, to be fair. The first ever direct-to-video animated sequel is Aladdin, the Aladdin sequel. And then from then on, every other, the new emerging studios like Bluth were like, let's do it. There's also been an animated series, which I think only lasted one season in 2007. There's all these video games. It's a whole franchise, but this movie always is kind of held up as like, this does not represent the future 13 movies. This is more of a, maybe an artistic statement, more of an intense thing. Got I really can't remember. I, I might have seen a sequel. I might have seen this. I have no idea. So I'm really excited. I know there's someone called Ducky. I know there's a little triceratops named Sarah. I know there's Littlefoot. Didn't that little girl die? Big Net. Oh, yeah. Was she murdered by... I used to mix up her and JonBenet Ramsey. Judith Barcy. Yeah, she was a child actor. She's also the main girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven, another Don Bluth movie. Both of those movies came out after she died. Well, on that note, let's watch the movie. Mother! Mother? 
Yes, you can. Get up. Dear sweet little foot, do you remember the way to the Great Valley? I guess so. But why do I have to know you're going to be with me? I'll be with you. Even if you can't see me. What do you mean, if I can't see you? I can always see you. Littlefoot, let your heart guide you. It whispers. So listen closely. Mother? Mother? This is the beginning of Steven Spielberg's weird dinosaur period in the late 80s and early 90s. All right, so we got this little tiny aquatic dinosaur hanging out, living his dream. I'm just still thinking of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg being like, Don, what the hell? <laughs> and Don's like, oh, dinosaurs, guys, are pretty, pretty scary <laughs> back then. <laughs> All right, Don. So you have in the opening credits a little tiny dinosaur aquatic dinosaur is chasing this little shrimp and eats it and you're like oh that's pretty nice like a little situation like how dinosaurs might be and then all of a sudden this huge crocodile dinosaur comes through and is like crunk, crunk, crunk. i guess it's to tell you like this is not going to sugarcoat dinosaur life mm-hmm. look we got some turtles man turtles are really weird if you think about it too much don't think about turtles too much is this a movie about climate change oh here's how you know it's a girl dinosaur it's got eyelashes thanks don Thanks for unnecessarily gendering these majestic beasts. He's like, yes, even hatching could be dangerous. You could die at birth. <laughs> like, Jesus, John. Yeah, don't be frightened of this terrifying dinosaur family. Everything's fine, kids. Yeah, a lot of wrinkly dinosaur skin in this movie. It's reminding me to moisturize, though, so. Wow, look at this beautiful translucent dew-covered leaf. Is this a movie about food insecurity? Cue the screaming. It's a lot of screaming in this movie. That's literally what I remember the most. Don, are you okay? Pretty scary sequence where they hide from the T-Rex in this prickly growth of bushes. So much screaming. Oh man, we got dinosaurs fighting. The mom's here. Oh, this rules. Did they almost get crushed by the mom by accident? All right, so Littlefoot is literally just watching his mom get shredded by this T-Rex. Look, whatever they cut out, that was so much more effective. You saw it in shadow. That was so cool. Yeah, I definitely don't remember this. If I saw this, I would have run screaming. You would have been scared for it. Look, she has a huge hunk of meat. Yeah, that's what we saw in the shadow. He bit a chunk out of her back. out of her. Yeah, now you just see her walking around with this chunk. It's open wound. Oh, and also, kids, in case you weren't anxious enough, in addition to being attacked by a villainous, like, carnivorous dinosaur, the earth could just open up at any point. Why is there, like, uh, yeah, like, lava shooting out of just a crack in the earth? It's a scary time. Wow. Scary times we're living in. All right, so a massive earthquake has just ripped through the continent. So the the kids are on one side, the grown-ups are on the other, right? Okay. Are you crying? If you don't cry during this scene, you're a monster. She's taking quite a while to die. It's her prerogative. (laughs) She saved her little dinosaur son. It's a pretty upsetting death scene. Man, what a bummer. All right, so he's stumbled upon this, like, kind of scaly granddad dinosaur. Was she talking to him from dino heaven? God, you never listened to me when I was alive. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, mom dino laying on the guilt. More screaming. See, there's so much screaming in this movie. What do you think of all the baby talk? It's not my favorite thing. I'm confused as to why some of the dinosaurs have, like, a typical vocabulary. Mm -hmm. 
and have regular sounding voices, although they are children. Mm-hmm. And some of the dinosaurs can only use baby talk. This is just Rugrats with dinosaurs. Is Rugrats just Land Before Time with people? Don't talk to that egg. Get out of here, girl. That thing is going to hatch from an egg and it's going to kill you immediately. <laughs> and yet they're not going to eat that leaf. They're probably pretty hungry. What is with Spike's walk? Look at it. He's fresh out of the egg. Do you hear what the narrator said? All knowing if they lost their way, they would starve. I don't know if these babies know how to navigate. I like that the other dinosaurs are all calling her bluff. She's like, I'm not afraid to be alone. I like being by myself. I can get my own food. And all these dinosaurs are like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, they're going to go snuggle up with her. Everyone but Littlefoot. Yeah, Littlefoot, he don't care. He holds a grudge. How do you stay alive? Hold the grudge. Those bugs are looking at the moon knowing that they will be dominant. In but a few years. <laughs> These dinosaurs will not outlast us. That's some great detail, those bugs. They didn't have to do that. Don Bluth didn't have to go this hard, Kate, but he did. <laughs> Don, Don, are you okay? <laughs> they blasted his leaf. Well, this looks scary. Literally every hill they go over, hopeful to see the Great Valley. It's just another primordial wasteland. All these punky dinosaurs do is fight, just walking across the Cretaceous or wherever they are. Imagine, you could be a tiny turtle just minding your own business, and then another bigger kid dinosaur could step on you, you know? This Triceratops really has trouble accepting when she was wrong. Everyone's screaming again. They cannot get a break from this sharp tooth. Oh, they're gonna drown him. They're like, here, we'll use the smallest, least capable one as bait. So much screaming, Tyler. A lot has happened in this 30 seconds. (laughs) Petrie learned how to fly. And now has flown directly into danger. We got a mom cloud. This is pre-Lion King. Wow, did Don Bluth invent the parent cloud? Littlefoot's mom's like, Littlefoot, you whiny b****. I sacrificed my life for you. What if did we I can tell maybe you? get it together a little bit, Littlefoot. <laughs> my instructions were so simple. Walk towards the sunset. And we finally made it to the Willamette Valley after our long sojourn on the Oregon Trail. They drowned the dinosaur. They made it to the Great Valley. Yep, killing it. He's been adopted by Ducky's parents. I don't think these Ducky parents are so thrilled to have another mouth to feed during (laughs) this time of economic stress. (laughs) Look, even Littlefoot's oldest grandparents made it. Littlefoot had one day of joy in his whole life, and it was when he came out of his egg. I can't believe they're reusing footage here with flashbacks. This movie is short enough. There are quite a few flashbacks now. A lot. This is, they're going to summarize the whole movie for us here. <laughs> Could have just watched this part. There's the mom cloud. They're flashing back to stuff that just happened. They're showing him finding the valley. Yeah, we've got like a really kind of soft piano-driven ballad here. So I think this movie ages pretty well until this song starts playing. It's Sarah's dad. Daddy Tops means Triceratops, Triceratops. daddy. Yeah. yeah. My mom was right. There was a lot of screaming. Like a lot. Like a lot of screaming. They scream a lot. I mean, you would too. They were in mortal peril. I'm tired of all this peril. Did you enjoy watching it? It was okay. I wasn't blown away by Mm. it, but cool concept. Still kind of holds up. Okay. Love when a mom cloud shows up. I'm just tired of all these dinosaurs just having conflict. I enjoyed it. It was good. It's short. Everybody's screaming. It's beautiful animation. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune in next week for more dinosaurs. Kate? Oh, is this dino month? Yeah. I'm in Dino Month. This holiday season, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg present a Don Bluth film, The Land Before Time. Long ago, 
when the earth was new. Five friends lost and alone. Mother, where are you? Took an incredible journey. You want to go with me? Yeah! Through a land of wonder. And a land of danger. of an American tale comes a story of friendship. Do not stop. We must stay together. Courage. <laughs> oh, you can't quit now. What if the Great Valley is just over the top of these rocks? And laughter. <laughs> From Universal Pictures. Some things you see with your eyes. Others you see with your heart. A new adventure is born. The Land Before Time. Coming this Thanksgiving to a theater near you.